So this afternoon I'd like to give a guided meditation uh, on Narana Sati, which is contemplation of death. And in the morning when we chant the salutation to the triple gem, there's this sentence, now let us chant, that's the introduction, now let us chant our salutation to the triple gem and the passage of encouragement, or sometimes it's also said, passage to arouse urgency. And that's the that's a word in Pali is called Samvega. And uh, contemplation of death is, you know, one skillful means to arouse this sense of urgency mm. of Samvega. And, you know, just to remember that, you know, death is inevitable. We just don't know when it's going to come. And to just use the opportunity as long as we can to practice well. And remembering the Dharma of death is a preparation to the vastness from which we emerge because it's a mystery we, we can't really say you know, where we are coming from and we don't know where we are going. And uh, you know, that's something which can't be really known with the, with the thinking mind. And whatever it is, it's, it's good to be prepared. And this contemplation is a support for that. And uh, you know, Buddha brings the contemplation of death more into the center and you know, suggests that we, we look at it clearly rather than you know, just uh, denying it and uh, trying to distract ourselves. And then through doing that, our interest you know, in, in certain kind of distractions just starts to fade away, and that's the reason why we are doing it. We're just looking at that which is part of our lives, and, and doing that in a, in a focused way is helping us you know, to let go of certain preoccupations. So it really serves our practice very well, even it might sound a little bit shocking, you know. <coughs> and uh, it's said to lead to disenchantment and dispassion and propels us towards practice and towards liberation. So it really helps us really to look at it clearly. And this death contemplation, I've learned that from Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi. And it consists of three main themes of contemplation. And then each main theme is uh, subdivided into three sub-themes. And I'm just going to read that out. And then I leave you a little bit of time to just reflect on that. And we're doing that also because today, you know, is the last day of 2016 and this evening we're gonna have a little ceremony you know to, to mark this occasion it's only a concept of course you know like everything else but some concepts are really supportive and and we're gonna use you know the 31st of December turning to the 1st of January we use it as support for practice you know to just bring to mind and bring to heart maybe a few things which we regret or a few 
you know, kind of habits we have, which we regret. And we have put some paper outside again, and you could write some regrets if you do have any on this piece of paper and then bring it along tonight. And we're gonna kind of burn it, you know, in a bonfire, in a little fireplace, which we have there. And then afterwards you could think about an aspiration you have for the new year. And then, you know, after you burn this little paper, you can just, you know, let us all know what your aspiration is and we're going to witness that aspiration. We're going to hear what you are saying and that empowers your aspiration. And this, you know, contemplation of death is a support for you to really go deep and really, you know, connect with what is really true for you. And you know, we might be surprised you know, after we do this meditation and then really see what comes back because it might be something completely different than from what you think. It's, it's, it is, this practice has a power you know, to resonate in a very deep way. So just let it do its thing. So just find a posture you can sustain for 40 minutes or so. Just you know, be aware of your body breathing in and breathing out. I'm just gonna read out those three main themes and then I'm gonna start. So the first main theme is death is inevitable. The second one is arrival of death is uncertain. And the third one is, when we die, we have to relinquish everything. I'm sure, you know, that's nothing new to you, but to really sustain, reflect on that, that might be new. So death is inevitable. How do we know this? Every other being who lived before me has died. Powerful queens of the past, presidents, the wealthy, the famous, the glory, the holy ones, all have died. I can't be an exception. So every other being before me who has lived has died.
Death comes along at the moment of birth. We always think death lies in the future, but actually at the moment I am born my death has co-arisen, always lurking in the background. When causes and conditions come, I have to die. So birth and death co-arise. Every moment I am moving ever closer to death. At morning when the sun rises, it moves ever closer to sunset. So from birth over the prime of life to old age, ever closer to death, every year, every month, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, I draw closer to my end. And so do all other beings, not only human beings. Plant beings and animal beings. Clouds. Everything which is arising is ceasing.
And then we come to the next theme. The arrival of death is uncertain. Time of death is unpredictable. Children can die, adolescents die, people in their prime die, people in middle age die. We don't know when we're going to die. Some die even when they, before they are born. The place of my death is unpredictable. Some die in the hospital, some die in their house, in their room, in their car, in an aeroplane, while they are walking, in their sleep. place of my death is unpredictable. The cause of my death is unpredictable. Some people die from accident, some people die from an illness, some people get killed. Some people are drowning, some people are falling from a high place. 
the cause of my death is unpredictable. When we die, we have to relinquish everything. All material possessions and status, position, name, fame, all external acquisitions have to be left behind.
All who are near and dear have to be left behind. Our parents, our children, our spouse, our friends, our relatives, everyone, <coughs> our pets, everyone has to be left behind. my body and my personality, my whole identity based on it must be given up. We can only take our karmic relations, our disposition of character, you know, the qualities of our heart, the quality of our mind, which we have created over this life and over previous lifetimes. That's what comes with us. So all you know, actions with intention, which we have been doing by body, speech, and mind, that is coming with us. Everything else is left behind. So that gives you know a sense of urgency about the importance of cultivating the heart and the mind because that is what's going to come with us.
So death is inevitable. The arrival of death is uncertain. And when we die, we have to relinquish everything. But the disposition of our heart and of our mind will come with us. That's the good news, you know, that any moment you are putting into practice is not lost, cannot be lost, will never be lost. It will come with you. So it helps us, you know, to kind of have the right priorities in our lives, to reflect in this way. And you know, and if we want to condense it all into one sentence, it's death is inevitable. You know, and sometimes if we feel a little bit kind of lazy and we just don't want to be bothered, have a sloth and torpor, you know, if we just bring that to mind, it can give us this sense of urgency. Yes, I can do it. I have to do it. Because I'm going to regret it later if I don't. So this is a practice which is not at all negative or morbid or something like that. Or even, you know, it's not really sad in that sense. It's just gives us a clear picture of the way things are. And then, you know, we have the freedom to choose the right thing. And that will you know, automatically propel us towards practice. Because when we really understand more deeply what is what, so to say, you know, it's, it's much more unlikely that we're going to get distracted. And then sometimes, you know, we, we, get, we gain the strength to make a tough decision. You know, to put something to one side, we weren't kind of ready for it, you know, or we felt like awkward enough telling that we don't want to do this or don't want to do that because it looks kind of uncool or whatever. But then, you know, thinking in this way, it can help us to be, be more real, really. And then, you know, certain things, they just kind of fade away by themselves. Just in the power of the truth. Like growing up, you know. Like when you, you know, when you're a teenager, you just don't want to play with those toys anymore. Or maybe like when you, once in a blue moon you might, but it's just boring. You know, that sense of urgency, that sense of um, realness, that is what it means, you know, to be fully alive and to, to really make the most of your life, to be really connected with the universe and have that energy vibrate through you. 
And then your life takes on a different quality. That doesn't necessarily mean it's all kind of rosy and wonderful and only pleasant. That's not how it's going to be. But it's going to be what it is and it's going to be real. And when you look at the Buddha statue on the shrine, the way, you know, how he's sitting there, he's fully in the center of his life, not avoiding anything, not you know, grasping onto anything, just being with what is. And being, you know, being fully alive, and that's what gives the sense of satisfaction. You know, not because we get everything we want and we don't get anything we don't want, but because we we fully are alive and fully with it. No fear of experience. Because we are training ourselves, you know, to look at experience and not turn away from it. And it's a simple matter of training. And for that we have to have our priorities, right? That's, we need that. But then it's only a matter of training like any skill, you know, driving a car, playing an instrument. It's a skill you need to learn. We need to learn. And you know, to give yourself the time you need for it. Hurry slowly. This is what my first teacher always said. I didn't quite know what he meant, but I kind of have an idea now what he meant. You know, there is a sense of urgency, but also not don't bite more often what you can chew at the same time. So everybody knows for themselves, you know, what works. Hurry slowly into the new year. And you know, a sense of, of gratitude for the teachings which the Buddha has given us, has left behind for us, so that we can save some time, you know. We don't need to invent everything by ourselves. We can just, you know, rely on to this teaching. It's a great good fortune, you know, to have 
understood enough to be willing, you know, to sit here for 10 days and contemplate in this way. The heating not working really well, no supper, and many other kind of unpleasant elements. So we're using this practice you know, for opening the mind. Opening the box, opening, taking off the lid. Letting the light shine in. And, and see you know, what comes forth. And you can you know, use those next few hours to see you know, what aspiration you have for the next year and if you might have a regret or two. It's like a little house cleaning, box cleaning, let's say that, box cleaning. In, in the service of the truth. For the benefit of ourselves and of all sentient beings.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.